Welcome to the Realities Podcast. I am back. G is out on vacation. And so it's just me this week. As we did um, last week, we are spotlighting a nonprofit organization. Um, As I said before, nonprofit organizations are um, something that's really special to me. I really enjoy and and love nonprofit groups, um, specifically the organizations that have um, worthy causes and are actually out here putting in work and, and helping others and are not out here for making money. So I do definitely love the nonprofit groups who are who also allow us to volunteer our time and and commit some time to them to help them with their causes. And so this week I wanted to spotlight Wait Up Hospitality. Wait Up Hospitality is a nonprofit organization that is founded by Mrs. Kim Alexander in 2017. Um, Wait Up Hospitality is a Prince George's County, Maryland nonprofit organization. Um, It was created to reconnect returning citizens and others in transition to their communities by giving them another chance through the context of social enterprise. The organization offers a nationally certified job training program within the hospitality industry. Its present focus is on restaurant and banquet services with the provision of a sustainable and measurable support system to those reentering society. So definitely check out Wait Up Hospitality. Their website is www.waitup, which is spelled W-A-I-T-U-P-Online.org. They're also on social media. Instagram is wait underscore up underscore hospitality. And Facebook is wait up space hospitality. So definitely check them out. And I would definitely give a big up to Miss Kim Alexander. I remember her talking about starting this nonprofit and getting it off the ground years and years ago. And finally, she has been able to do so. And just to, you know, see her in action and see, you know, her, her purpose come to life, it's really, it's really amazing. And the things that she wants to do moving forward um, in a community is going to definitely be remarkable. So I definitely um, would, would suggest and request that you check her out, um, her, her team out at Wait Up Hospitality. And if you have time and can, and can provide some assistance or volunteer time to the organization, that would be amazing as well. So This week, I am going to talk about returning into the workforce. So, of course, we're still in the COVID-19, aka coronavirus pandemic, and a lot of people have been either furloughed or their positions have been eliminated. Um, And then some of us have just taken this time to decide, you know, if where we are is where we want to continue to be. And so, you know, a lot of people are now searching for new positions, new organizations, new companies to work for and work with. And so I just wanted to give you my two cents um, from an HR perspective of what you should do regarding um, planning to start looking for that new gig. Um, I am an HR professional. 
I've been in HR since I was 14, actually. Um, and at 14, I actually started out as an HR intern. I worked for a technology company in McLean, Virginia, and I was given a chance by um, my cousin, Denise, and I worked directly under her. From there, um, all other jobs or positions that I had had some sort of HR um, duties involved. And at that time, I was not even aware that I was doing anything HR related until later on. So HR has been um, a career that I've just fallen into, but a career that I actually fell in love with. It is not a job for me. HR is a passion. HR is um, something that I like to do because I like to help people. And so I stuck with HR for my career. My um, degrees are not um, focused on HR solely, um, but I do have um, business degrees, but I did not focus primarily on HR. Um, at the time, I, I didn't know that that's where I was going to stay. I actually thought I was going to get into some form of economics or economic policy or something like that. So hence why my <laughs> master's degree is focus on economics for whatever reason. But yeah, so I have been an HR assistant. I've been an employee relations manager. I've been a labor relations manager. I've been an HR manager and an HR director. And so I've had, like I said, it's since I was 14, but I technically, I would say I've been in the HR game for about 16 years at this point. Maybe a little more, but definitely 16 years. Um, and like I said, I love it because it allows me to help people as well as help the organization to grow and prosper and allow them allow me to meet different people from from different ways of life, different different areas of life. Um, and in all in majority of the organizations that I've worked for, I've predominantly worked in the industry of hospitality. And so I've learned quite a lot by working in hospitality. Um, I've trained, I've onboarded, I've offboarded, I have um, counseled, I have um, did employee engagement, I've did employee morale, um, I've did benefits, you know, I've done a lot. I, I consider myself a full cycle HR professional because I've done a little bit of everything. And so this is why I wanted to, you know, give my tips on returning to the workforce during or after coronavirus um, and just wanted to share my two cents with you. So the first thing I would say is you need to update your resume. Everyone should have a resume, no matter where, what, how you should have a resume. Um, definitely, if you are new in the working world, your resume can just show or highlight what you've done in school. It could show a highlight if you've ever volunteered for whatever reason, if you, you know, whatever you've done, you can show that on your resume. Um, but for those who are, you know, been out there already and just looking for a change or what have you, um, definitely make sure you update your resume. Ensure that your resume details what you've done within the last, at the least 10 years. 
um, and no more than two to three pages. As an HR professional um, recruiting and looking at resumes, I can definitely tell you that it is a headache to receive a resume for a position and the resume is four to five pages long. It is definitely a headache to, to kind of filter through. We want just a snapshot of who you are, of what you've done, of what you've accomplished over the years. So it's definitely important that you um, detail yourself or sell yourself in two to three pages. Um, Within your resume, what you want to include is, or not include, um, starting from the top, of course, your name, but your address. I would say that your address, your full address is not necessary to put on your resume. Um, I specifically only put the city and state that I reside in because when and if I apply for a position, I want the recruiter to know where I am so that if the position is in Las Vegas, they know by looking at my resume that I'm nowhere near Las Vegas. So they probably could just pass over my resume if they get it. Um, but if I am okay with relocating, I would make sure that that's at the top of my resume as well. Relocation, um, okay to relocate or however you want to word it, but I will make sure that that's on there as well. But um, just your, as far as your address, just your city and state is all that you need. Your number and your email address, of course, they need to be able to contact you. I couldn't reiterate more and more that you need to ensure you have a working phone number on your resume and that your email is an accurate email. I have come across several resumes in which the phone numbers were disconnected or they put down grandma's number and grandma answers and it's, you know, real rude and nasty or what have you. And it's like, okay, well, maybe you should have told grandma you was a, you put her number down or they put a res, they put an uh, email address down and the email address bounced back because it's misspelled on the resume. So you want to make sure that, you know, the, re the email address that you are utilizing is one that you check. So that if an employer is trying to contact you to set up an interview, they can contact you. Um, as well, for those who don't answer their phones for unknown numbers, if you are in the job market, if you're searching for a job, you should answer every call. You never know where that number is coming from. So, you know, if it's a scam or what have you, just hang up. But you want to make sure that that's not that job that you need or that you want. So you don't want to be able to, you don't want to miss any calls. Um, also, clear your voicemail. So many times employers have left voicemails and never get a response back or what have you because a person doesn't check their voicemail. I'll be honest, I do not check my voicemail, but I answer every call and I check my email on, if not several times a day, definitely once a day but I don't check my voicemail. Now I have the visual voicemail so I can see if someone left a voicemail and then I'll check it if they did. Um, but for the most part, um, I'm really bad at checking my voicemails. But it's, it's, I would suggest that you do that. Um, references, or well, let's go back. Before you even get to references, you wanna also include what you're looking for. Overall, what you've accomplished, who you are, um, and that can be considered your objective, that can be considered your summary or your goal or whatever you wanna call that particular 
area of your resume. And in that area, you want to include things like, you know, I've, I've um, supported several groups with, uh, from salary, from exempt to non-exempt managers, or, you know, I ha- I am detail oriented. I am trustworthy, things like that. Um, and, or if you are, let's say, for example, I'm looking for a part-time job. That's where I will put that at. I want to make sure I grasp the attention of the, the employer um, so that they don't see my resume and say, okay, wow, she has 16 years of experience. Why does she want to work here? You know, she's overqualified. So in my objective, I would put that I am in search of a part-time job, blah, 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 blah. And so that's where you put that. Um, you want to include your previous employers and your summary of duties for each of those employers. Like I said, try to keep it at 10 years at the most. Um, you don't want to get too deep into, you know, on my resume, I'm not putting that I worked at this technology company in when I was 14. Just not, not putting that there. So you want to make sure that you include just that 10 years of employment and what you did. An employer needs to see that you have those skills and abilities from other employers and want to see whom you've worked for in the past. But also with your summary of duties, they want to be able to see that you have um, done some things that they're looking for. For example, for me, I would list that I, you know, have um, done open enrollment and um, communicated benefits or, or um, negotiated benefits with benefit brokers and things like that. Because they, if I'm applying for a HR position, they want to see that I have all of those HR experiences or so benefits and all that stuff. So I would list a lot of that stuff as short as I can on my resume. Then you also want to ensure that you include your education. Many um, employers want to know that you have some form or fashion of education. If the position only requires you to have a high school diploma, you want to make sure you show that. If they say that, you know, they are requiring you to have um, graduate degrees, then you want to make sure that that's there. Um, One thing that I have noticed in, one thing I have noticed is that, and this is just with, I had in particular two people that worked for me or worked with me in the past would put on their resume that they graduated, that they went to a university and for the position that I was hiring them for, um, it required that, or I preferred that they had, um, college, a college education. Um, and so they put on their resume that they had this college education. And then later on throughout their employment, I found out that they only attended the school, but they never finished. And so, you know, both times that was a fault of my own for not um, ensuring that they had finished school. I just assumed because it was on their resume with beginning and end dates that that meant that they finished school, but in actuality, they did not. And so, you know, in both times they were great, you know, one, one was more, was a lot better than the other, but um, it wasn't something that I was wanting to separate employment due to. Um, And so, yeah, you definitely just want to make sure that if you, if the job requires you to have a certain level of education, 
that you include that on there. But do not be careful. I would say be careful with exaggerating. A lot of people exaggerate on their resumes and it can come back to bite you. And some employers can terminate you for um, falsifying your application. And you don't want to be that person that has started working and you're there for so many months and then all of a sudden you're getting called to the HR office because we looked and we noticed that you said you had um, these certifications and when we checked, these certifications weren't even there. You never even ever received these certifications. So you want to just make sure that you're not exaggerating your, your resume. A lot of people do, but you want to just make sure that, you know, depending on the job that you're looking for, that you do not exaggerate your resume. Um, and any relevant skills that you have for that position or relevant certifications, you want to ensure that those are also listed because some positions or some companies look at that as a plus. Some organizations actually want you to have certifications. So just depending on the position that you're applying for, you should make sure that that's included on your resume. Um, and you just want to make sure also with that, that you're not, you know, once you start applying for jobs, you want to make sure that you're not applying for a job uh, like a construction job, for example, with details from being a cashier. You want to make sure that you tailor your resume to the desired job. You want to ensure that, you know, if you want to have that part-time job as a cashier, although you're an HR professional, you tailor your resume to show that, you know, as a cashier, you're detail-oriented, you're trustworthy, you are um, on time, you're motivated, all of the things that they want in a cashier, you want to make sure that you show that on your resume with the, the positions that you've had. Um, and as well, detailing in your summary that, you know, the reason you are applying for this position is because you're looking for a part-time job. That way they're not overlooking you and thinking that, oh, this person is overqualified, so let's move on. Okay. So you also on your resume, a lot of people still put their references. I suggest that you do not put your references. And you can also stop putting references upon request. You don't need to put that on there. If an organization wants to check your references, they will request references from you. Um, for myself, I keep a separate document with references on there. And I actually have three character references three professional references, and three supervisory references. And I did that because I applied for a position before and they asked for character references, meaning someone who can attest to my character. And it kind of threw me off because I'm so used to just the three professional references. And so what I did was sat down and kind of looked at who I knew, who I've worked for, um, who can attest to my character as a person. Um, in or outside of work, um, but that's not a family member. So you wanna make sure that your references are not your family members, okay? My three professional references are three people that I've worked for, that I've worked with. It could have been the payroll manager, it could have been a sales director, just anyone that I had to work with that was, let's say someone that was on a leadership team that I was on, I would list them as a professional reference. And then the supervisory reference would be 
supervisor. So someone who directly supervised me, who can attest to my work ethic and how, you know, the type of work that I did and how I handle pressure and all of those things. You want to make sure also that you make sure these references know that they are listed as your reference, that you are in the job market and potentially someone could call them so that they are looking for that call and they know, you know, okay, Ray is going to have somebody to contact me as a reference. So let me answer my phone. Let me respond to the email. Um, I've had a lot of times where, you know, in hospitality, we have bartenders and cashiers. I've had someone as a cashier to put me down as a professional reference. And unfortunately, I was not able to give that reference because I did not work with that person directly. I only knew of that person because I had their employee file and I checked them in for um, for games or whatever. But to attest to that person's character, to attest to how they did um, as a cashier, I couldn't do that. So um, if that person had have told me um, that they were listing me as a reference, I could have sat down and talked to them. I could have talked to their supervisor just to get some information, some background on them so that I could have responded on their behalf, but I couldn't. And it kind of looks bad when your reference can't be your reference. So you want to ensure that your references are aware of, you know, you putting them down for a job. The next thing I would say is to start sharpening your interview skills. Um, of course, with you applying for jobs and things like that, you're most likely going to get interviews. And now with COVID-19, a lot of the interviews are um, virtual on Zoom or what have you. So you want to make sure that you are ready. Um, and what I would say to prepare for interview is, one, um, look at research the company prior to your interview. Um, get to know their mission, their vision, um, what they're looking for. Make sure you look at the job description and you understand the job description and you're able to um, match your, your, your skills and abilities to that job description. Um, make sure that you have some questions that you can ask of the employer. And in turn, make sure that you review some questions that they may ask you. You can Google this. So, you don't have to sit and ram your brain and, you know, all of that trying to figure out, well, what would they ask me? You can simply Google, like for myself, I definitely have done this recently where I have a list of questions that I know as an HR professional, as a recruiter, that I have asked other HR professionals. And then I've also utilized resources to get other questions that could be asked or should be asked of from me. And I have that list of questions on hand so that when I have interviews, I'm ready for that. Um, you want to make sure that you can ask questions of the employer. You don't want to be that person who wants the question poses to you. It, do you have any questions for me? You say, I don't have any questions. You should have questions. It doesn't matter if you're repeating um, a statement that they're saying and just posing it into a question, or if you are, you know, just asking something simple, even if it's okay, you know, they've told you that you're going to supervise four employees. Okay, so you can turn that question around and say, I understand that I will be supervising four employees. Do you mind explaining what their roles and responsibilities are, what their positions are? Um, 
And it also does not hurt to ask what the salary range is going to be. Um, some people shy away from that in the first round of interviews, but it never hurts to ask because you don't want your time wasted and you don't want to waste their time either. So it's very important. I'm, I'm definitely for sure that companies will ask you what your salary range or your hourly range is that you're looking for and in the first round of interviews. And so it definitely would behoove you to ask, <laughs> to ask back, you know, what is the salary range that they're hiring for so that you're not wasting your time. You don't want to have that job that is, uh, they know that they're hiring someone and they can go as high as 60,000, but you don't know. And you're, you're looking in a range of at the highest 80,000. They're not going to offer. They're going to offer you the lowest, and it won't. It most likely won't be any room of, for negotiation. So you want to make sure you know that from the jump. Um, you also want to make sure that when a company reaches out to you and they schedule the interview with you, that the time and date is acceptable and convenient for you. You want to make sure that you are not. Um, having a date or time that's not convenient. It's nothing like um, having the baby crying in the background during your interview because it's nap time. It's typically nap time for the baby. And, but you scheduled this interview because this is the time they gave me. You can negotiate. You can, you can, you know, work around. They will work around you if they really want that interview with you. So if Monday at 10 a.m. doesn't work, and Tuesday at two does, then ask, you know, let them know this date that this date and time doesn't work for me. Do you have another date and time or this date and time works for me? Offer several dates and times that work for you so that they could try to fit you into their schedule or vice versa. But you want to definitely make sure that you are available and it is a convenient time for you. Nowadays, um, at this point, a lot of companies are using, and I'll just say Zoom. Um, for their interviews. So you want to make sure that if this is going to be a Zoom call that you have Zoom. Make sure that Zoom is downloaded on your uh, tablet, on your cell phone, or on your computer. But you definitely want to make sure that it it is not um, something that you don't have. It's free. So for me, it's impossible to say, well, no, I can't download Zoom or no, I don't have Zoom. Is there another way? No. Um, a lot of the companies are now doing um, virtual videos. And so you want to also test out, once you download Zoom, you want to test that it works. You want to make sure that you cut it on, make sure that um, you can see yourself well, make sure that the lighting is good so that they can see you. Um, and just make sure that your background is professional. You don't want a background where they see your kitchen and you haven't washed dishes or you're in a kid's playroom and all they see is toys everywhere. You don't want to do that. Um, so you want to make sure that you have space to have your um, potential video interview as well so that you also have, you're comfortable uh, make sure that you can sit down and they can see you and all of that stuff. You want to also make sure that it's 
your background is quiet and, and your timing is uninterrupted. Um, and once, you know, getting ready for your interview, I'll say the day of your interview, you want to make sure that you dress for success. I can't reiterate that anymore. Dress, dress, dress for success. You do not want to, just because it's on Zoom and you're at home, you don't want to be in your workout gear and it's like, oh, okay, well, I'm on a video and they know I'm at home, so I, sh I shouldn't have to dress up. Even if you have to just put on your dress shirt or your blazer and you got your basketball shorts on or your leggings or something on the bottom, that's fine. They can't see the bottom half of you, but the top half of you has to be professional, has to be presentable. So when I'm doing an interview, no matter what it is, if I'm being interviewed or I am doing an interview, interviewing someone else, I still make sure that I have earrings in my ear and that my hair is professionally, you know, is, is neat and pulled up or what have you. Um, and I make sure I have on a blazer and a blouse or something like that. And I might have leggings on at the bottom and no shoes, but the top half of me is presentable. Um, you don't want to show them that, you know, that it, to me, it shows that you don't care and that you're just, you know, you're a little lazy. And if you can come to an interview this way, you can come to work that way too. So you just want to make sure that your first impression is everything. You are your own marketing tool. You are selling yourself to this employer. Yes, they're selling themselves to you in a way, but you are definitely selling yourself to them. So you want to make sure that you are marketing yourself to the fullest potential that you possibly can. Um, and that's being on time as well to your, to your interview. If you need to, if you log on two or three minutes before, there's nothing wrong with that. Just sit there and wait for them to log on. Um, but don't be late. It's just like, it's the same as you showing up physically to the interview. You don't show up. If your interview is scheduled for three o'clock, you don't walk in the door at three o'clock. You want to make sure that you show them that you have time management and that you could, you, you are making the effort. You are showing them that you can be on time. Okay. Um, during the interview, like I said, you want to make sure that you are um, talking and answering the questions that are being asked. Make sure that you can relate some of the experiences that you have had with some of the questions that they're asking. Um, definitely in HR, as, as you get up in the HR, in your HR career, a lot of questions are geared towards leadership. Um, and they want to just know if you can lead a group of people or, you know, if you can, if you can um, support a group of people. So I tend to give a lot of examples of what I've done in the past to do that. And that's my answer to a lot of the questions. Um, and Get to the point, make it short and sweet, but answer the question. Just don't lag on, on and on, because a lot of times the interviews are only 30, to, 30 minutes to an hour. So you don't want to surpass that unless the interviewer is just a talker and they want to ask several questions, then by all means. But that's one thing you also want to do is make sure that you prepare for at least an hour for your interviews. Um, and just make sure, like I said, that you're available and prepared um, throughout your interview. After the interview, you want to make sure that you follow up. A lot of people nowadays do not follow up with a thank you after an interview. And I highly suggest that you still do that. You don't have to get into detail about, um, 
why you want the job and all of that stuff, but you want to just thank them for their time and still sell yourself to them. You know, thank you for reaching out to me, for interviewing me, for talking to me about this role. I'm very eager to join your organization. I hope to hear from you soon. A lot of old school HR folks really look forward to that thank you note. And no, you may not get a you're welcome back, but the thank you just shows that you were and still are interested in the job. If you are offered a position, make sure that that's a position that you want. I know right now in, in, with the, the pandemic and if you're furloughed or, or position eliminated, not working or what have you, you're eager to take the first thing jumping. But you want to make sure that that fits for you. You don't want to be there and you're still interviewing and looking for another job. Um, you want to make sure that it's a position that suits you. Um, you don't want to get there and they see that you're not a good fit for their organization and they let you go. So you want to make sure that, you know, you're clear on the duties and the responsibilities that you re review the job description again. And it's nothing wrong with um, asking for the benefit package before you agree to work for their organization. And you can also... Um, if let's say they give you a, a salary and you know that your salary range was something else, you can negotiate. Nothing is wrong with negotiating. An HR, a recruiter or an HR professional or a hiring manager will not, um, not give you a job because you're negotiating. It's not how they, they won't do that. If they really want you, um, then, and, and most likely when they reach out to you, they don't, they've kind of ended their search. They're not going to, um, just stop, you know, they're not going to start, leave you and then go to the next person. Most likely um, they will offer you the position in hopes that you will accept the position. And so it's okay to negotiate. A lot of times they have a budget. Let's say, for example, the role is budgeted at $60,000 um, or let's say it's budgeted at $70,000 and they offer you fifty five. dollars they have room to negotiate with you. They did that because they, you know, figured that you would negotiate and they want to see how high you would go or how low you would go rather. So it's definitely okay to negotiate um, and get the highest that you potentially can get. And then just look at the perks that the, uh, that the job offers. Look at the benefits that it offers as well to make sure that it suits your life, suits your lifestyle and suits what you are looking for. Um, when you are looking for a position, I definitely suggest that you use search engines as well. And I guess we should have started with that, but use search engines. Um, Indeed is a very good search engine to use. Indeed pulls um, posted jobs from all websites, from, from many websites into their website so that you can have that one-stop shop to look. Um, LinkedIn is an amazing uh, search engine as well. LinkedIn is a professional social media page. And so I would suggest also that you have a LinkedIn page where employers can come to find you and they will reach out to you to see if you're looking when they have openings. A lot of recruiters use LinkedIn to find their next hire. Um, and if your field or industry has, has websites that they use to post jobs, you want to make sure that you are part of those websites as well. So for example, for human resources, SHRM is our Society for Human Resource Management. Um, 
they're our go-to for it all. And they have a lot of um, jobs that are posted there as well that's HR related only. And so it definitely helps if it's geared to just your industry. That way you don't have to filter through and get all of the positions that do not um, have anything to do with what you're looking for. Um, H Careers is also a hospitality site where a lot of hospitality um, companies post for hospitality um, jobs. And so that's really good. And of course, you know, you have others where if you're a waiter or bartender or something like that, they have sites specifically to those um, positions as well. And you want to just make sure that you devote time to complete your applications. Um, Indeed allows for some of their positions for you to be able to apply online via Indeed. So you would make sure that you have an Indeed account and make sure that that updated resume is linked to your Indeed account so that you can just press the button and apply. However, some companies want you to apply on their website. So you go to Indeed or H Careers or LinkedIn or what have you in there, have a link to their website. So you want to make sure that you have time to complete those applications. They are tedious. Um, but the reason, and I'll say this from an HR perspective, the reason that a lot of the applications are tedious is so that when you are hired or if you're hired, a lot of that information automatically filters to their, um, onboarding system and they don't have to, um, require you to complete a paper application and all that type of stuff. So, um, it just helps them with the next step. But of course, it takes a long time and a lot of time out of your day to apply. Um, Yeah, I think that for the most part, that's what I wanted to talk about. Um, Just a a little snippet of being prepared for the next, whatever the next step is for you. Um, Of course, I am, like I said, I'm an HR professional with several, several years of experience. So if anyone out there hears this podcast and needs someone to help them with their resume, updating their resume, um, just reviewing some interview skills or throwing out some questions, or um, we've even done some mock interviews as well to kind of prepare people to, um, for interviews to make sure that they're ready and they're comfortable. Um, Reach out to me, send me send us a DM um, via Instagram or Facebook, and we can definitely help you out. Um, I would also say that I'm very blessed to have my spouse, um, who's also in the HR field. And I go to him for a lot of stuff as well, because our, although we're both in the field of HR, we're in different industries. And so our um, perspectives and our um, history and background, the things we've kind of gone through within HR, it's fairly different. Um, For me, I've dealt with that hourly workforce and turnover rates and um, actually handling paperwork um, versus for him, he's always dealt with um, like executives and um, having systems already in place Um, for him. So he's not used to actually doing the actual paperwork and having paper in his hand, whereas I am. So we've bounced, you know, ideas and and, and things that we've done off of each other to kind of just, you know, keep each other abreast of what's going on in the world of HR. So he's also one to tap into um, if reached out to 
Um, he's definitely a great consultant with HR and all of HR. Um, I would say all HR professionals are great consultants. All HR professionals or most HR professionals are great counselors as well. So if you just need to have those questions and asked or answered, um, if you're the employee or the employer, definitely reach out and just ask. Um, and we definitely would try to answer as much as we can. Um, and so that is all I have. I hope that you enjoyed those tips um, for returning into the workforce and making sure that, like I said, you're updating your resume and making sure that you're just selling yourself. That's the biggest part. You are your own market marketing tool. So you want to make sure that you sell yourself to that next employer to get your next gig. Um, as always, thank you for listening. Uh, make sure that you follow us on social media at Realities, and that's R-A-I-A-L-I-T-I-E-S. And you can also download the podcast on any of the platforms that you pick up your music from. Um, you can get us on Pandora. You can get us on uh, Apple Music, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, all of that good stuff. So hope that you enjoy this podcast and you listen to us next week. Thank you again. Bye. Sexy little cool, little rubber.